I just learned that, and uh, so grateful for them. But I want to tell you something with what uh, what they do. I, I want to, they need all the rest we can give them. Today we need to pray for our uh, school teachers and those that serve and serve in our culture and in our society. Christians going out into into all that darkness. We need to pray for them, don't we? Amen. Thank the Lord. It's good to be in church, ain't it? I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. Nowhere else I'd rather be than right here tonight. It's a blessing to see this good Wednesday crowd out. Brother Clay, good to see you, brother. And uh, good to see everybody this evening. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And we thank the Lord for it. What we want to do this evening, it's, we want to get right to singing. And then uh, we'll give you an opportunity to worship the Lord through giving. Wednesday night mission offering just here in just a few moments. And then we'll, we'll follow the same method we did uh, last Wednesday night, we'll pray at the end of service, and uh, what we'll do in between songs, Brother Josh, is as our ushers are coming, we want to take up prayer requests at that time, and then we'll have a moment of prayer over our offering, and then we'll, we'll all gather around with those requests in mind and on our heart to pray for those at the end of service, amen, and uh, thank the Lord, amen, amen. Good to see the church tonight, the church, not the building, but the church. We're going to take another look at the book, if the Lord wills it, unless Brother Josh just takes a shouting fit here in a minute. And uh, so we're going to take a look at uh, what is the church? What is the church? Certainly not this building, certainly not this property, certainly not this brick and mortar. And uh, it certainly isn't mine. But uh, so we're going to look at what the church is again tonight, part two, part two. So pray for that. Brother, come on and lead us in song. I'm probably one of the only people that can go to a sporting event and sit down the whole time and not get up and scream. So I might have a shouting fit tonight, but it might be unlikely. Everybody, everybody stand up. We're going to sing page 219.
see Sister Peggy right here tonight. Aren't y'all glad to see her, church? Thank God. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. There's not, a, there's not a soul that the presence is not missed tonight from the body of Christ when we gather together when they're not here. So glad to see you. We've been praying for you, sister. Been praying for Jeff. And um, I'll go ahead and let's do this. Let's ask our ushers to come on up. And uh, has somebody got a pen and paper? I, I don't tonight. Okay. You got it, sister. Thank you. Um, let's pray for Jeff. How is he doing, sister? Good. Wonderful. 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 So they'll see which way things turn after his round of infusions. Wonderful. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Remember Jeff tonight. Anyone else? Prayer requests. Amanda Williamson. Yes. Tell you what, I may have a piece of, piece of paper here, a sheet of paper. Amanda Williamson, you said? Yes, sir. All right. Anyone else tonight? Gail Vickers. Let's continue to remember Miss Gail. Any improvement, Brother Vickers, this week? Let's remember Miss Gail Church. Let's be sure to remember her. Write her down somewhere and keep her on your heart. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Let's remember Brother Charles. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, sister. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Betty Brown. 
anyone else tonight? Yes, ma'am. Gilreath family. Let's remember this tonight, Gilreath family. Yes, sir. Come back negative. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Let's pray for this church. I miss someone over here. Carolyn Watkins. Let's remember to miss Carolyn. All right, anyone else tonight? Parker family. They lost their loved one. Parker family. Let's remember this. Anyone else tonight? Amen. Let's remember Brother Andrew. He'll be going back. I'll share this card with you real quick. Um, he sent us a thank you card to the church. So Brother Andrew, we'll put it back there in the back. This is the town he's been in on the inside and out. He says, I truly appreciate your thoughtfulness and kindness. I want you to know that you are in our thoughts and prayers. Remain faithful unto the Lord and keep shining Christ. Amen. So let's pray for Brother Andrew as he'll be going back. We thought he was going to be able to come back and see us tomorrow for one more trip, but there was a church that called him and asked to come. So as soon as he finishes up here in Georgia, swinging up through North Carolina for a couple of days and then flying out. So y'all pray for him. He's heading back to Iraq to a scattered church. And uh, y'all, so we'll, we'll make more mention of that a little bit later, but pray for him. Let's keep all these requests on our heart, church. So many folks hurting, so many folks in our body that are hurting. And as we'll see here tonight from Scripture, we are one with one another. We're not separate bodies. We're just, we're, we're united in one. And so let's remember that tonight as we pray. Again, we're rejoicing about Sister Sue's results and, uh, and still rejoicing about Charlie's and several others tonight. And again, it's just so wonderful to be here with the family of God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Wonderful to be saved tonight. <clears throat> I tell you, Brother Wood, pray for us tonight if you would. Ask the Lord to uh, help in every single one of these situations. Bless the offering. Bless the furtherance of the service tonight. Yes,
come up. She's going to help me with this next one. Warren's going to play it. They're going to kill me because I really just sprung this on them. We practiced one time like six months ago. But I love Brother Warren and his willing heart. There's only, the, uh, I, don't have anything, I don't have anything bad to say about him except one time he stole $20 from my mom. <laughs> uh, the, uh, this song, well, somebody asked us to do it, but like a long time ago. But if uh, I put the words up so y'all can sing along. So if you know it, sing along. If you don't know it, try to read the words and sing along. It's called I Firmly Promise You. It is a uh, song about knowing, knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're a Christian. The, uh, and I'm glad the Bible does talk in like First John, these things I've written that you may know. It's a good feeling to know that, to know that you are saved. And to know that you are going to heaven. So if y'all know it, uh, sing along, pray for us, and pray for y'all. As y'all have to, hopefully this will be a blessing to you. Just, just play it. Whatever you think. You know the tune? No. Okay. That's good. <clears throat> Someday our last goodbyes on earth will all be over and the journey of life will be through. But before we say goodbyes and the chains of life are broken, let us make you this promise. I firmly promise you that I'll meet you by the river on the banks of that evergreen shore where hearts will never break and our lips will never quiver for the friends that by one we see them cross the silent river they are leaving every moment or two so won't you firmly promise me that you'll meet me by the river and I'll make you this promise Now we know that death is sure and that life is most uncertain, but we know not the moment will leave. Ere the silent reaper comes and drapes the final curtain, let us promise that we'll meet again. Well, we'll live where flowers bloom by that bright and shining river, and our spirits will sorrow no more.
God's protecting grace and love be with us ever as we gather on heaven's bright shore. I firmly promise you that I'll meet you by the river on the banks of that evergreen. Glad I'm saved tonight. Thank you so much. Got on our heart tonight to Charlie to sing one. It's a blessing. That's where we're heading, church. This right here is just a little veil of sorrow. There's not much, uh, not much time left, and I'm grateful for that, aren't you? And, uh... This is all right, ain't it, church? We'll just uh, we'll follow the Lord tonight, whatever, whatever he wants, be sensitive to him, Thank the Lord. Just be obedient to him, you be obedient to him tonight, that's what we should do inside these walls and outside these walls, just be obedient to him. Glad I'm saved tonight, thank God. Who saved me by his grace. 
more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. That's right. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be sing that chorus with us church Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a I just heard somebody, I give a prayer for today. They just started the candy shop years ago, which was so much different. Yeah. When we leave just for a space, just for a minute, we got a chance to relax. Away from the world, away from all the stuff that made complicated matter. Don't have to be bad, it's yeah. just there to take place of something else. How in the world can I comprehend what you just saw?
All right, church, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Brother Josh and both and I, both of us are going to be in trouble. We both got our wives doing something that we, they didn't know they were going to do. I appreciate the Spirit of the Lord, don't you? His grace that abides with us, His mercy, His goodness, and what He does in our midst. It's a wonderful thing what the Lord does in the church. I want to be obedient to the Lord, so we'll read quickly. While you've held your place there in Matthew 16, hold your place in a fee, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter number 20. And then our ultimate text will be Ephesians 4, we'll be looking tonight, but I just want to read a couple verses out of Matthew 16, and then out of uh, Acts chapter 20, and then of course our ultimate text in Ephesians chapter number 4. So we'll read verse number 17 of Matthew 16. If you found your place, say Amen. Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says in verse number 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Book of Acts chapter number 20, Acts chapter number 20, verse number 28, one verse, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Ephesians chapter number 4, we'll begin our reading in verse number 1. Uh, rather, let's begin our reading in verse number 21 of Ephesians 3. So Ephesians 3 and 21, and then we'll read on from there. Unto him... Be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Say it with me. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is... The same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, even uh, rather which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And the church said, I'm telling you, this thing is built by God. There's no other way that it can be. So our question that we started with last night, or last week rather, is what is the church? And we'll continue with that tonight. What is the church? Part two, if you'll have it. And we tried to set, just by way of review, we set the groundwork for what the nature of the church is, what the function of the church is. We found out that the church is the ecclesia, which is that called out body. And if you're saved, you're called out. Uh, you're, not, you're not part of the world anymore. By nature, you've been translated into the kingdom of darkness. There's a reason you don't fit in. There's a reason you're like a... It's not like a square peg in a round hole. It's a completely different thing. It's a completely different puzzle. Uh, there's no way you can go back and thank God you can't. You are a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He has called you out and made you part of the ecclesia. We made mention that there was a church, uh, a radio broadcast here recently, where the question was asked, what do I look for in a church? And the top five things shook us to our core. Um, they said, uh, uh, they said uh, parking, uh, and thank God for good parking, but it's not the church. Uh, they said style, comfort, air conditioning, these things. We submitted the, the three thoughts on another article that, that stated uh, what, uh, what are the three things that are the most attractive things to people outside the church coming in to attract them in. And they listed three things there that said ultimately fellowship, sharing, and caring. And we made the observation that those things can be found in a bar or in a club or whatever have you. That can all be found in a, in a local assembly that does not have to do with the church. But we said this, that the foundation of the church is simple. Two things that we love, adore, and know Christ, and that we love His Word. And when the church fails, it doesn't fail in strategies. It doesn't fail in connecting with cultures. It doesn't fail in its marketing. But when the church fails, it fails in its loving of Christ and in its failure to love the Word. We notice those two things. And our attitude in bowing to the only authority that we have, I say the only authority that we have, our attitude to bowing to that 
is it reveals whether we desire to be a true church. And uh, we said that the Word, which is Christ, and again, I made the statement that the church is not this building, it's not these grounds, it's not this place. Uh, uh, oh, yes, we may say the statement, well, I'm, I'm going to church. Well, technically, the correct statement is, is I'm going to gather with the church. And we say it all the time. Tonight, we say it again. We, I say it every service. I say, Charlotte, you ready to go to church? And see, she says, yes. Very excited to get to church. She's looking around right now wondering what daddy's wanting to do with her. But we say, are you ready to go to church? She says, yes. But when in actuality, what we're saying is that we are ready to gather with the church, one with another. Sister Peggy has been out of the fellowship of the body. Sister Carolyn has been out of the fellowship with the body. Not, unable to gather with the church. But might I report to you tonight, this evening church, she and our other members that have not been able to come, they are still members of this body. They are still the called out, the ecclesia, the ones that God has saved. And I said last week that as members of the body, this should be our desire. And this should be our question. The only question that we should ask, not, not what strategies are to get those, uh, uh, to make the church appeal to culture. No, that is not our question. Our question is what does the king command me as his slave to do on behalf of his kingdom. That's it. That is it. That is the only thing that concerns the church. Is what does the great shepherd desire of me as his sheep in the body of Christ. And thank God we have a directive. Aren't you glad for that church? Again we dealt with Matthew 16 the first time that the church is, was mentioned, and Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build. It's a verb, future indicative. In the first person, Jesus said, I will build it. And I want to remind this church, He doesn't need your help, and He doesn't need mine. Let me say that one more time. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nowhere in the Bible are you or I commanded to build the church. Nowhere in Scripture am I commanded, Brother Marty, or are you commanded to build the church. Why is that? Because that is a responsibility. Not of me and not of you, but of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, does that leave us without responsibility? Oh, no, no, no. But he is the church builder. I am a member of this church. He is the master of the church. Can I get some help tonight? Hallelujah. He said, I will build. First person, action verb, indicative. Jesus 
will build his church. And may I report to you tonight, no matter what Justin Trudeau or what uh, Joe Biden, and I don't even care what Donald Trump says, they cannot stop the ultimate power of Jesus Christ building his church. Thank God. He'll get her done. Thank the Lord tonight. I will build my church. And we said that that word my is a personal possessive pronoun. This church is his. This body is his. It's not mine. They say, well, my church, again, I know we say that. And I'll continue to say it and you'll continue to say that. But it's a false statement. This is not my church. This is His church that I am a member of that He has brought me into. And why is it His? Because He has purchased it with a great price. I asked you the question last week, are you protective of the things you've purchased? You let somebody, co you let our, the ladies in our church go into a mall and somebody try to grab their purse that they purchased, you'll find out how passionate they are about their purchase. And, uh, and, and, and your vehicle, let somebody run a, a key down the side of it when you're looking at them and we'll find out just how good of a Christian you are. Let somebody come in tonight and try to break into your house that you own, that's yours, where your family is at, that you love. And we'll find out. We'll find out how passionate you are about it. It's not my church. It's not your church. It is His church tonight. And the church said, Amen. So we are servants in the church. Now, moving on to part two. <laughs> Thank God. What is the church? Well, in Matthew 16, the foundation was said as the first time that the church was mentioned in the New Testament. And the church was there promised as well as defined. But tonight, this is our question. What is the church? And growing up in church, you start to form ideas about what church is or what the church is. And if you haven't been raised in church, let's say to those of us that, let's, let's, get a, let's get a standard. Those that were raised in church, raise your hand. Those that were not raised in church, raise your hand. That's a pretty good split. So if you have been raised in church or were not raised in church, depending on what those two upbringings brought you, you have an idea of what you think the church is. But church, our ideas about what the church is or how it should operate should not be formed by, by our preconceptions. They should be formed by the Word of God and the Word of God only. And the Lord help us uh, not to get to a place where we elevate our ideas about the church and how it should operate by the way we feel that it should run. But rather, God, help us to say, Lord, show us in your word how the church is to operate. And I submit this to you, church, that every single detail, every single detail of how the church should operate is found within the pages of the word of God. And the church, let me say this, the church is described 
in the New Testament in several different metaphoric ways. And this is interesting. And, and, and it's also these same metaphors as the church is referred to in the New Testament was referred to that the nation of Israel was referred to in metaphors as well as in the Old Testament. So what is that? A family. Church is referred to in the New Testament as a family. God, our Father, and we are His children. And as well as in the Old Testament, Israel was referred to uh, as a family as well. A bride. Where Christ is the bridegroom and we are His bride. We're referred to as branches. We are the branches. Christ is the vine in the kingdom. Church is referred to as the kingdom. And we are his servants and Christ is the king. And both of those elements in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, Israel was referred to as each of these four. And the church in the New Testament was referred to each of these four. But there is one way, one metaphor that refers to the church in the New Testament that was not referred to Israel in the Old Testament. You want to know what that is? The body of Christ. The body, the church is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we see that in chapter number 4 and verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean that we are the body? That the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, in chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible says, And hath put all things under his feet and gave him, Christ, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He owns the show. We've made that statement earlier out of Matthew 16 that Jesus' church is His. It's not our church. We are His. And He runs this show. And verse number 23 of chapter number 1 reinforces that we are the body. It's who we are. It's who you are. You are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are uniquely identified as the body. And in order for us to function and be in the life of the church, we must see that we are the body and that we function. It's a metaphor. We function as a body. And now when we come to Ephesians chapter number four, get into our text. When we come to Ephesians chapter number four, we've got to stop at Ephesians 3 and 21 because Paul has an outbreak of praise. And if you'll have it, Paul has a shouting fit in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 21, Brother John. He says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. You want to know how to identify a part of the body of Christ? They are rejoicing in Christ Jesus. The church is to glorify Christ. That's what we saw last week in Matthew chapter number 16. Very consistent. And how is that to happen? How is the church to glorify 
the Lord Jesus Christ. By just saying amen on Sunday. By just being stirred at a service and going on about our way. No, no, no. The church is to glorify Christ. How is that to happen? Now, let me, let me stop at the glorifying Christ part and make one, one statement. I don't have to tell anyone in here tonight that there are not a lot of churches that only glory in Jesus Christ. There's not a lot. There are many churches that glory in who they are. Or what they do. Or how they are perceived by the community. Or what impacts they have made in the culture. Or into the society. Etc. Etc. But the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The true body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only glories in Jesus Christ. Oh my, my, my. For that matter, there are even fewer who can tell you what the church, not only do many quote unquote churches not glorify only in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there are fewer than that of churches that can tell you what a church is. And that's our question tonight. That's the question we started with last week. What is a church? And we asked if we had to ask you and go back through every pew and every aisle on what a church is, what would it line up with the New Testament teaching of what a church is? That's the question we must ask. Not, is this church a place that I like? Rather, is this body, this local ecclesia, this local gathering of the church, does it glorify Christ and harmonize with Scripture? Take, it, take account this evening of our own hearts. Take account of our own ambitions. Take account of our own agendas. Is our agenda focused on glorifying Christ and being made in His image and Christ living through us, glorifying Him, looking at Him, viewing Him, worshiping Him, singing of Him, testifying of Him, preaching of Him, teaching of Him. All right, let's move on. Recognize your calling. The church is to recognize your calling. Now, chapter 1 of, of Ephesians 4, chapter 4 of Ephesians 1 is coming down to the end of these glorious truths of the doctrine of justification, sanctification. I mean, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, that, lest any man should boast. We have been raised up and made to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That we may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. I'm talking about some rich. He's broken down the middle wall of partition. Us Gentile dogs can come to Christ. Thank God. We're built on the foundation which is Jesus Christ Himself. Being the chief cornerstone. I'm telling you, He's waded through an incredible calling that you and I have on our life. You have, if you're saved tonight, you have a calling on your life. 
You can't do and act however the old man wants to act. Christ has put claim on your life. He purchased you. He purchased you. You are not your own, and you are bought with a price. I'm not my own, Brother Ron. I'm a servant, and I'm in bondage to him. Slave to Christ, as Paul said. A prisoner of the Lord. I've been captivated by one that is greater than I. And it's not out of only obligation tonight, but it's out of love, and it should be out of love. Now, recognize your calling. Paul says, I therefore, in verse number one, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. All of these great, magnificent truths that you know to be true of yourself, I am literally begging you. I am begging you, Ephesus. See the calling that you have and walk worthy of that calling. How do you do something that incredible? How do you do something? How do you walk worthy of this salvation, Brother Ron? How, how, how do you walk worthy of the calling wherewith we've been called? Good place to start is with lowliness. Verse number two. With all lowliness, not with pride. You didn't call yourself. You didn't save yourself. You ain't learned nothing by yourself. Anything you know, God opened your eyes to it. Everything that you are, He's made you. Everything that you ever hoped to be, He is going to take care of that. And by the way, church, He's the one that's providing your food. He's keeping your house, your roof over your head. He's keeping clothes on your back, your stomach filled with food. He's keeping you awake while you sleep at night, awake, uh, uh, alive while you are awake through the day. He's keeping your digestive system working just fine so that it just doesn't go haywire. He's keeping your heart pumping and contracting. He's keeping the life and the breath in your lungs still breathing. Christ Jesus is doing all of that because He is life. But I want to tell you something even more than that. He's keeping that faith that's inside of you protected and that trial of faith that's going on in you. He's doing that work. He's increasing your faith. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He's causing things to happen in your life sovereignly and providentially. For we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called. That's who you are. That's what you are. All things work together for good to them that are called according to His purpose, who love the Lord. I'm telling you tonight, church, God has got this thing wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ and you wrapped up in Jesus Christ. So what do you do in response to that? You walk in lowliness, not in pride. We don't come in here and gather as a body and as one with, with our chest bumped out with our chest popped out and all of our spiritual accolades that we think we've got. That's not how the church operates. No, we operate in lowliness. You didn't call yourself, you didn't save yourself. You have such a high calling. You have such a high calling. Now, walk in a lowly way. Now, like this, he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering for bearing one another in love. Prideful people don't love. 
those that are full of pride, those that are filled with self, those that are, have no long-suffering or patience about them, they don't love. But Paul says the church, the body, is to walk with all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering forbearing one another in love. Out of humility, meekness, patience, love will follow these. And out of that love will come unity in verse number three. Unity. Let me say one more word about forbearing one another. That means holding one another up. The church walks with lowliness. The church walks with meekness. The church, not the building, you. You and I, we walk with lowliness and meekness Long-suffering, we're patient with one another. We don't, we don't run out of patience with one another. How many of y'all have, have, have burnt patience or, or someone has burnt your patience? Not so for a church member. Oh no, 70 times 7. Brother Tim, if you've offended me or I've offended you, let it go, Brother Ron. And as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me, I forgive you. You may be doing something that you don't even know you're doing. I may be doing something that I don't even know I'm doing. But with long-sufferingness, we forgive one another and have patience with one another. Do you want to know why church splits happen? You know why folk get mad and leave and blow up and get gone and out of here? It's because something did not go their way. It has been a complete wadding up and throwing in the trash that this church is the Lord Jesus Christ, not mine and not yours. And there has been a complete lack of submission from the pulpit to the back row to the, to the Word of God. Not to my authority, to the teacher's authority, to the deacon's authority, to those around. I'm talking about a lack of submission to thus saith the Word of God. There should be a reverence to the calling that Christ has placed on our life. And in light of that calling towards one another, we should walk worthy of this vocation and walk with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearance. The world doesn't walk this way. Buddy, I've dealt with some business calls today where men just said, I tell you what, I'm absolutely done with that and he's sorry, he won't work, he's just late. I'm telling you, I dealt with it today. That's how the world operates but praise God, there's a shelter from the storm of the violence and chaos and mess in the world. We can gather with one another, the church of the living God, and we can love and have meekness and loneliness and have patience with one another. There's not even a club that offers this. Yeah, you can go fellowship, share, and care at the bar, but you ain't going to find loneliness down there. And you ain't going to find meekness down there. And you're not going to find patience and forbearing and someone to help you when you're in the storm. But you can find it. You should find it. 
You should find it in the church. In the church. Now I'm saying this and I'm done. I'm literally, I'm, this is my last page. I'm right here. I got this much left. <laughs> I don't know what was said just then. <laughs> Had long suffering. Amen, Brother Tim. Whoo, help us, Lord. How about that? Talk about practicing what you're preaching. Why must the church do this? First off, let's identify that we must live in this way. We have no other choice. There's no other commandment. Boy, it's easy to get upset at one another, ain't it? I mean, buddy, some of us just go off one word and pop, we're off. And we talk about it going back up. Hey, listen now. We talk about it to our wives and our, and our, and our husbands going back up. Not my husband, ladies, y'all's husbands. God help us. I am about done, ain't I? Lord, help. We talk about it going up the road. And if you ain't careful, you talk about it in front of your children. And then they start learning, well, this is how the church operates, ain't it? God help us. God help us. We've gone so far from what the church is that we can barely even see how it's supposed to function. Who gives a rip about programs? God help us to get this back in the church. Loneliness. Meekness. Long-sufferingness. Patience and love with one another. No, not should we do this. We must do this. We do it by recognizing our high calling, who Christ is in us, who we are in Christ. Therefore, in light of all this, the Spirit of God is working in us in the new man to produce this fruit. Let Him. Let it be. Let Christ have this free course in your heart. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed into sin. Reckon yourself to be crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the life that you live in the flesh, now you live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for us. And we walk with lowliness and patience and care and forbearance and meekness towards one another. And we don't get our little feelings hurt when something, somebody didn't put a cookie out for us that we didn't like at the fellowship. Is anybody listening? I'm not saying anybody's done that. No, let me clear that up. No one has done that. It's just an analogy, amen? It's the very nature of the church. Now, I'm done. One body, there is one body, not two. Not three, not four, not five. We're not going to start grouping this thing up and we got one part of the church here and we got one part of the church here and we got one part of the church here and one part of the church here. No, 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 no. Listen, we will meet, sing two songs together and preach and go to the house before we start splintering up the body of Jesus Christ. We're one body. Seniors, you're one with the teenagers. Teenagers, you're one with the seniors. Young people, you're one with the middle-aged. One body! 
one, not ten. Boy, I can meddle right here, can My gracious, you, you pass by a church and you have to wonder how many times has that body been fractioned up? And how many times has it been split? 17 different ways to make people happy. No, we're one body. And I'm part of you. And you're part of me. And you can't help it and I can't help it. Because that's what Jesus made us when he saved your soul. Hallelujah. Now I feel like preaching. Now I'm here. Four more lines to go. One spirit, one calling. One spirit. There's not two or three different Holy Spirits out here. It's one spirit that bonds us in unity. Even as you're called in one hope. You know why all of the body got happy when Brother Josh and Sister Amanda and Brother Vickers and the Satterfields were singing about heaven? Because it's one spirit and we have one hope, which is the ultimate showcasing of that hope is seeing Christ. And we get happy about it. And there's one of them. Not two, three, four, five, six. We have one hope. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and, through all and in you all. One God, one Father of all who is above all, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One, 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 one. If our mindset is that we are anything more than one, we can immediately know there's a problem in the church. Immediately know. If there's sections or groups or this or that, we can immediately know we've stepped outside of New Testament church doctrine because we have sectioned ourselves off and produced two, three, four different bodies. No, if you're saved, you're a part of the church tonight. One church. One body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and we're all one in Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the good name of God. Bless the Lord. Now let's act like it. Let's love one another. Meekness and unity. Oh my. Let me say this to you. We all have our different parts, and we're going to get into that next week, maybe next week. We all have different functions in the body. Now, lungs, stop making the liver try to be a lung. Brother Clay, we cannot try to make a hand be a foot. I want to tell you something. We've got to the point where, where we have, where the church, I say the church in the broader sense, the universal church, has forgotten. Listen, if you've got a burden, your church should help you bear that burden. But if you've got a burden to do something for the Lord, that, God put that burden on you. Stop expecting everybody in the world and everybody in the church, right, Brother Ron, to, to, to cater to the member that you are of the body. Likewise, let's realize that the liver's got about 500 different functions for the body and that we need to 
come together in unity. Because the body don't just say, well, that's my hand and this is my other hand and I'm not going to help that hand. Let me tell you something. If, Charlie step, if, if Charlotte steps on my foot or throws one of those heavy plastic toys that she's got at my foot, it's going to get some attention. So when the rest of the body hurts, the attention is supposed to go there, Brother Clay, because we're one. We're one. We're one. And when one part of the body is wounded, I mean, somebody's not going to chop off your arm this evening, and you're just going to sit there and be like, hmm. No. There is going to be sincerity in action because we are referred to in the New Testament for the first time only as a body. We're a body. One. We're one with one another. I'm not saying, ain't y'all glad this evening? We didn't, have to try to, we didn't have to take some kind of pledge and get hazed in some way and have to go through 15 steps to try to get in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you got saved, you got a new family. You got a new body. You got new friends. You got a new place. You got a new position. And praise God, you've got a good purpose. I say, when you walk out and fellowship breaks tonight from the body, go home knowing you're not alone tonight. You're not alone. Hallelujah. And if you feel alone, there's no need for that. Because the truth states clearly. What we are. And we're going to keep looking at what is the church. It's important to know what it's not. So when you go home tonight, think of two different things. What is the church and what is it not? It's as healthy sometimes to look at Scripture and say, what is the church not? As much as it is, what is it? I'm learning in my time... Sister Megan, you come on, please, if you don't mind. I'm learning in my time, and we'll gather around and pray here in just a moment. I'm seeing, I'm getting educated of the fact that a lot of what we're calling church business just ain't church business. And what I'm, I'm not talking about necessarily here. I'm talking about the church as a, as a broad, as a whole. What we're calling church stuff is not necessarily church stuff. Because we don't have a church without the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, Sanctify them who, my future church, through the truth, thy word is truth. So if we're going to be straightened out, if we're going to be lined out, it'll come through the word. And if we didn't get our philosophy, and if we didn't get our, if we didn't get our truth, if we didn't get our understanding of absolutes from the scripture, then we need to check in tonight. We need to check in inwardly. In our mind, in our heart, in our soul. Make sure that we're submitted to whatever this book says. In church, if the Lord will help me, if the Lord will help me over these next few weeks, I don't know how long we're going to be looking at it. If the Lord will help me over these next few Wednesdays, I don't want to speak one thing outside of this book of what the church is and how we should conduct ourselves how we should look to Christ, how we should be obedient to the Spirit, how we should love one another. Let me leave you with this, and we're going to gather and pray. And you'll be dismissed after prayer. Let me leave you with this. 
Paul, when he came to Corinth, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me, Brother Terry. Amazing to me, Brother Terry. Amazing. It's incredible. When, when he wrote that first letter to Corinth, there was so much. You go study it tonight. There was so much junk going on at that church. So much junk. False doctrine. False teaching. Wicked living. Sin in the church. In the body. You want to know what the first thing Paul dealt with? The very first thing. He said, it's reported, it's reported that there are divisions among you. He could not move on in correcting the church, Brother Warren, until that unity was handled. You had some over here saying, I'm a Paul. Paul, you know, uh, this one baptized me. That one baptized me. I love this one. I love that one. I don't care too much for this one. That one I don't like too much. This one's okay. Paul said, I'm so grateful that I baptized none of you. He said, save a couple gentlemen. <clears throat> he said, because if I'd have baptized you, you'd have thought that... He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Did I die for you? Did you die for me? No. One. Just hold your finger up like that tonight if you don't mind. Just one. That's what we are. We're not two. We're not three. We're not four. We're not, we're not 20. We're one. In Him. I love you, church. I'm one with you. One with you. I mean that. I'm not just saying that tonight. I'm one with you. This morning I prayed for you. I hope you prayed for me today. I hope you prayed for your church today. But I prayed for you this morning. I was praying. I was asking God to help individuals, each individual in the church, in situations. And I can't explain it, how God does this, how God yokes you together with a local ecclesia, a local gathering. But He does it because we're not two, we're not three, we're one. And when you hurt, I'm supposed to hurt. And when you're going through pain, I'm supposed to go through pain. As being in your body, Brother Barry. It's being in your body. I take his prayer time seriously. How about you, church? I take these requests that we got tonight. I, I like to write them down, and sometimes it may drag out some things. I like to write them down, though, so I can go home and pray about them and ask God to help and try to take you before the throne of God. I pray you do the same, church, because we are one. I wonder if we could gather around tonight with all these prayer requests in, in mind and being mentioned and say, Lord, let us walk together with all humility, lowliness, meekness, forbearance, long-suffering. Let's be patient with one another. How about this? Will y'all be patient with me? I'll be patient with you. And that's not a deal. That's not some kind of negotiation. I'm to be patient with you whether or not you're patient with me.
Now that's tough. Ain't it? That goes against the old man. Old man don't like that. Old man don't like that. But that, how, how, how will you ever thank him or love him or live for him enough to repay him for how many times he has forgiven you? Matter of fact, he's forgiven you of all. He's forgotten all your sin, past, present, and future. Gone. Washed. Away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he don't hold a grudge against me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He always takes me back. God help us to do the same with one another. We're supposed to. What is the church? You are the church. Let's all gather around and pray and you'll be dismissed tonight. for these on this list tonight these hearts that are broken these hearts that are going through difficult times Lord help us to rejoice with those who are rejoicing help us to weep with those who weep help us to gather Lord in sorrow with those that are in sorrow help us to love one another forbear one another have patience with one another be sensitive Lord, help us to love. Lord, we pray tonight. We love you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your body. In Jesus' name.